0: Hey guys we're ready again for another purge the alien podcast i'm mike i'm paul and once again we're here from purge the alien bringing you high quality battle reports podcasts and articles made by gamers for gamers so today we're here to talk about the chapter approved 2017 edition Um, came out a couple of weeks ago however the rule leaks and teasers have been out well before that but now that the full book is kind of finally in our hands and we've had some time to sort of digest it, uh, just kind of wanted to share some of our thoughts, our opinions, what was done right, what was done wrong, and then to answer basically the internet question that has been going around of whether or not it was worth it, should have just been free, um, kind of mining through a lot of the salt that's been on the internet suite. So Paul, initial overall impression before we start diving into the details.
1: It's fine. Okay. It's it's not great. There's a lot of fun things in here. Okay, you know if if you're just a casual player, it's a, it's a, it's a good book. So start off with the big question then: Is it worth, in your opinion,
0: the thirty-five dollars for what it is?
1: If you play some of the armies in here, yes, I do think it is worth it.
0: Okay. Now, what Paul means by some of the armies in there is the armies that do not have a codex in the chapter approved got a couple warlord traits, um, a relic to be given, and usually a stratagem as well um, to help them out um, for that. We'll talk briefly about like a couple of them later, but obviously there's one for every army that hasn't had a codex yet. Um, the only ones that really it didn't come out for is there wasn't a Demons one because the Demons Codex is hot on the heels. Demons,
1: Dark Angels, and Blood Angels. Yeah. Those were all going to be released after this book. Yep. So there was no reason to put them in here. And some of
0: the other things in the books that came out were like points releases and some other things, but really the. the bulk of the book, and it comes in, I believe, at like 130 pages or something like that. 120 some, 128. 128. Yeah, 128 pages. The bulk of it is kind of uh, fun missions, alternative versions of the game. It's a lot of really fun stuff in here. It it really is. So if you're a uh, a tournament player, very little in this book uh, really goes... For you, to be honest, yeah. um, there like I said, you want
1: it for the the points changes, especially for the forgeable importance changes, because there's a lot of really important forgeable specific point changes in here, and then you want it for a lot of the FAQ point changes that we saw as mm-hmm. well,
0: as well as like we said, the rules for like the Necrons, Orks, yes. Thousand Sons, things like that that don't Such have as codexes battle. yet. Um, But there's a lot of things that are in here. Um, Like I said, Paul and I have very different opinions on this. Uh, So like some of the first stuff in here is they redo everything for Planet Strike. Uh, People remember Planet Strike from back in the day. It was basically how you set up to have a game that involves a lot of terrain pieces that all have their own rules set up. Um, So the rules in here are reprinted for things like the Imperial Bunker, the Sky Shield Landing Zone, um, and there's a lot of missions, there's detachments, there's stratagems. um, There's a lot of things that are in there. Um, And just to be clear, GW is sticking to their standard. They have this under the narrative play function, as yeah. in it's not supposed to be used for anything else.
1: Which is why, like I said at the very beginning, you know, it's 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 a it's a book designed for the players who want to have a good time playing the game, not for the hardcore tournament player.
0: Yes, and as far as that's concerned, I mean, what do you think from the like the fluffy like non tournament non match play perspective? Like, what do you think of some of the stuff?
1: That's it's in? fun. It's it's just fun. You know, the the Planet, Planet Strike was always a fun. Style of play, stronghold assault was was. We didn't get to play too much of stronghold assault, but it was interesting when I get to look over it. Um, there's new maelstrom and eternal war missions in here, so you have si- you have six more of each of those. Um, you know, if if you want, you can do the whole land, build your own land raider thing. But that's yeah, that's
0: another section. Hold on, we'll get into that one in a second. <laughs> but I mean, <clears throat> with the stronghold assault, I think <clears throat> one of the things that can be really nice with that is not only for a different style of play, you know, kind of a fun game, yeah. but I do think that um, the Planet Strike is a nice way if you're setting up a narrative campaign.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: Um, I think for something like a narrative campaign, it's invaluable. So it, if you wanted to have, you know, like a invading an Imperial homeworld as your chaos, um, this would be an amazing way to go about playing it. Um, for
1: sure, yeah.
0: I think it's got some really cool things. I also f- felt personally, and I don't know if it's just 8th edition in general, but I also thought the rules got tightened up a lot for like the Planet Strike for everything. It doesn't seem as 100% one-sided as the old Planet Strike used to be.
1: Yeah, I think I agree. It, it seems a little a little bit more even. Not... Yeah, just, just more even. Just more even.
0: even. Once again, as you can see, not a lot to say about that one. Um, one of the other features that it has for a pure, pure fluffy standpoint um, would be, as Paul alluded to, the Build Your Own Land Raider, which uh, you're sitting here in front of the only two people that have been playing 40K for a long time where neither of us own Space Marines.
1: I, I own them, 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 <clears>
0: often. <throat> so, in other words, you feed them in cages for your Tyranids, or like what? <laughs> sure, yeah. my Tyranids, yeah. Uh, so, this has your build your own Land Raider. Um, again, it's a purely fluff thing. You'll never see this in a tournament, you'll yeah. never probably see this at your local store. Um, this is a fun thing. Um, I personally hate
1: this aspect of the book. I think it would be better if it was for orcs and not for space marines.
0: Orcs would make a lot of sense. It would make more sense. Um, like, you know, a loot-your-own-table. Yeah. Like, some different things you could do for it's it.
1: Those chapter purists would look at these land raiders and say, this is not chapter approved. What is this heresy doing here?
0: Yeah. Um, I I don't really like the the idea of the build-your-own-land raider because it just seems silly, to yeah. be honest. Uh, that,
1: that, that's my opinion of it as well. It's It's silly. Yeah, it's... It's it's a it's a purely fun thing that
0: look Paul and I are older, um, you know, like I said, <laughs> and by older I mean like late twenties, thirty, um, that kind of thing. So take that for what you will, but. Like, this literally kind of seems like the whole, like, little Timmy wants to put, like, eight cannons on his Land Raider. It does, unfortunately. Um, And then let's make a rule to allow him to be able, or her, to be able to allow them to play with said Land Raider. Um, Because it's not for match play, you're never going to see this. Uh, if you're playing with it with your friends it's really weird because you have to buy a really expensive land raider kit and essentially ruin it for any other purpose to ever the play so land
1: already really expensive yeah, uh, so do you want to spend more on a land raider
0: 85 bucks something like that yeah and then you have to have the extra bits from other pieces which you yeah. probably have but remember like, if you're playing in a tournament or match play setting and you think this is like a good idea go for it but like, you're not going to be allowed to probably bring that model because if you play something with eight last kids you can't have that on the table yeah. um, it just doesn't, doesn't work Unless um, you're in
1: Forge World and,
0: and then there's weird stuff you can do. There's weird stuff in Forage World, but, but but besides the point. But I, I I just really don't like the Build Your own Land section because it seems like th- there's no real reason for it. Um, I, I just don't understand why it exists in the first place. Um, it doesn't take up a lot of the books, so by no means, you know, am I you know it's like it's five or pages. six pages. Yeah. Um so it's not like it's everything or anything like that. Um, same thing for example,
1: like they have apocalypse rules in the book now too apocalypse is fun i think it's fine it's it's a it's a fun little it's just a, another fun little addition to the book and it's good that it's here again sure you know there's there's those people who like playing apocalypse yeah. i've only played a couple ga- couple games of apocalypse myself and i felt like it took way too dang long yeah but it was entertaining the times that i did play so i mean
0: as you can probably tell from paul and i's tone like the entire book has like a feeling of sort of like like apathy towards it. We it's, don't really.
1: It,
0: it's hard to really get yourself too worked up because most of it is nothing for what you're going to be typically playing. It's yeah. for like random one-off scenarios that you're going
1: to have. Like I said, they're very fun missions in here. the The apocalypse is fun for the people who who want to play apocalypse. I don't want to play apocalypse. It takes too long. The planet strike and stronghold assault are great. For narrative stuff and you know maybe we can possibly get a narrative thing going on and you could possibly do apocalypse rules. for narrative too you can, yeah you could do apocalypse Big for narrative final as well game. but i'm more play i'm still a casual player i go to the occasional tournament but i more play the game match play and I want to play a serious game and i want to test out lists yep and those aren't designed for that yes
0: now, the nice part is, you know, if you're sitting there and thinking about the $35 cost for the book, um, Planet Strike, Stronghold Assault, and Apocalypse are all in the one book. So if you bought these books before, yeah. it's more than worth it for you to go get them oh, because yeah. you get all the match play rule books as well. The other thing that like really comes in here is like the part that we'll talk about is the actual like matched play sections. So the things that we do get that are different in this book is the match play. There's new Maelstrom missions. There's new Eternal War missions. Yes. Um, those are some new ones that are in here. So you'll definitely see those like on the Purge the Alien YouTube page when we go through because we will be using some of the new missions to see how they go out. Um, what I would also love is just to see everybody in the comment section. Um, we've kind of been having an internal debate here at Purge the Alien about whether or not people are using missions from the rule book. if they're using them from... Uh, tournament packets from their local store from Nova from the LVO from the Bay Area open um, You know where are you getting your missions that you're playing? Because um, if you're if the majority of people are getting it from the book then this is awesome because your missions got kind of doubled Yeah, um, so it's it's pretty cool. Personally. Um,
1: I do mostly book missions and I've Since I got this I've only been using These book missions because they're just they're, these big these missions are just better than the ones that are in the big rule book
0: now, what I will say is I was a little bit disappointed, although I understand from a business perspective why they did it, that there is nothing about open war in the chapter-approved book. Because that was an entire thing. We did, like, a whole podcast on it. We've done some that's, battle reports on it. That's true. It's an entirely different way to play that people – some people really liked for casual games because it was draw this card. This is your mission. Draw this card. This is, like, the buff. Yeah. This is I, the I, – I
1: will, I will say this. After playing open war games – if you want to play just a casual, fun game, don't buy this book, buy open war cards. Yeah, I was a little surprised
0: they weren't in here. Yeah. Um, but once again, from a business perspective, if you it can get sense. people to buy both, I, I get that. Um, yep. But it was odd to not see those referenced, even if it was just like, hey, here's a couple other little ones that you can toss into the open war set, since a lot of people really did like it, and for 15 bucks, a lot of people really did like the open war kind of setup yes. for everything. Um, so we looked at those things for like the Maelstrom, they all looked good. Uh, the other things that were in the book is they had some really cool ideas for
1: objective makers. I actually really like these. There's, a, there's a lot of neat ideas in here for objective markers.
0: They're good, um, Yeah. but here's the thing. While they're good, I would have much rather just had a video from like Duncan I on agree. how to make these.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Okay? That's not exactly what I really wanted to like see is just like here's something really cool that our art studio did, especially yeah. because they're just pictures. A lot of them um, are pretty self-explanatory. Like, they will have quite literally what appears to be, like, the gun off of a Mauler Fiend, or a Forge Fiend, I mean, yep. mounted on a 40-millimeter base with, like, some skulls on it, and they're calling that an objective marker.
1: Yep. Um, well, the, the Necron one, these are these are just Necrons taken from the, um, uh, the, the Ghost Ark. It's yes. just, they're just taking straight from the ghost art kit, go into a base, paint it up, and call objective markers. Hey, it
0: works. Very cool ideas, um, but I think, you know, once again, the community's got a lot of outrage over the book right now, saying that a lot of stuff should have been free, and once again, while well, we're only talking about, like, five or six pages for the objective markers, like we're talking five or six pages about the Land Raider thing, um, the problem is is that those objective markers don't have how-tos, uh, yeah. Yeah. most of them are self-explanatory, but you don't know how they were painted. Yeah. Um,
1: It it would have been a nice little addition in there.
0: Yeah, could have been a quick video for a Duncan video, Warhammer community page. A lot of things that you could have been doing um, instead of this. So when we get to the real meat and potatoes of the book, especially for Paul and I... um, Which is
1: unfortunately 88 pages into the 130-page book.
0: Exactly. 88 pages in is before you get to really anything to do with how you're going to play the game in match play, which is what majority of people are going to probably play most of their games as. Yes. uh, For that part. So... As we alluded to earlier, every single army that does not have a codex...
1: Or one announced.
0: Or or one that's immediately coming up has a warlord trait, relic, and a stratagem or two. Um, These vary. Um, Now,
1: I think that the book is worth it just for these. Sure. I do 100% think that it's worth it just for these. Especially if you have more than one army in here. Okay. Like, personally, I have... Four armies that are in this book that I did not have rules for at all outside of the index.
0: And now, would you also say, like, how would, because my personal opinion is, so I only have, I think, two that aren't in the, you know, that don't have codexes yet that are in here. The one thing that I noticed is that for the people out there that are complaining because, hey, I play Gene Seager Cult, I play Necrons, and there is nothing in the future telling me when I'm getting my codex.
1: Which sucks. It does.
0: (laughs) not good this helps it's like a balm for the wound however um the good news is is that unlike the codex which if you listen to our previous one that we did on tyranids and our upcoming one that we're going to have on demons um the ones they put in the book are good
1: they are (laughs) um i think i think there's a few outliers like there is always sure but what they have here is good yeah but i mean the like i mean
0: it's pretty interesting the way you can look at it um, that, i mean just looking at the adeptus sororitas you know the good old sisters of battle oh, they have man. a strat- they have a stratagem that literally says when an enemy psyker manifests a power within 24 inches from him Roll a D six on a four plus, that psychic power is resisted and its effects are negated.
1: It's one command point, a 50-50 shot, negate a psychic power. You cancel it That's out. That's
0: good. Another one that they have for that for one command point is basically at the end of the phase whenever like any of our character the character's been slain for Sisters of Battle, uh, remove that unit from the battlefield. On a D six roll of two plus, one unit from your army with acts of faith ability can perform an act of faith.
1: Celestine died, she came back. Somebody else can do an act of faith. That's <laughs> Good. They're good. It's good. It's Um, just good.
0: Yeah, their one relic they get for their blade with a power sword is plus two strength, minus three AP, flat three damage. This Um, one's a
1: little unfortunate because the only characters that are capable of getting it are just Power Armor Sisters. You know, they only have the um, the one not named character in their army, but. This bumps her up to a strength 5, AP minus 3, 3 damage. If you can get her in close combat, she's going to kill something.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of ones like that. But so, like, the cool part is, is that for the people that have been lacking a Codex, what they chose to put in the book is good.
1: It gives us a glimpse to the future of what these armies are going to get. Yep. You know, this this gives me hope that sisters are actually going to get a Codex. Yes, it's probably misfound hope. (laughs) They're gonna let's be honest, They're gonna
0: get a codex. (laughs)
1: They'll get a codex. I mean, it might not
0: be for a while, um, but it's just one of those things. The thing that I am, I am most annoyed with that isn't in the book, and I thought they could have thrown just one in there. The way they gave you one relic, they gave you one warlord trait, they gave you like one. I would have liked for a lot of the people, like for, um, for example, like the Harlequins, uh, for the Dark Eldar, Gene Sealer Cult, etc. I would have liked one additional psychic power.
1: Yeah, I can agree with that. I think that the, I said it earlier off mic, if I remember correctly, yes, the Thousand Suns did get a psychic power. I don't know why they got a psychic power, but the other armies who have psychers and are adamant towards their psychers didn't get psychic powers. Well, I mean, I
0: get, because Thousand Suns are psychers, essentially, and you just think of it. Um, so I can understand because they're
1: they're the uh, they're the Grey Knights of Chaos basically.
0: Yeah, and so you know because Grey Knights got their love, I can understand why they get it because they have so many. Right. But that's kind of the other point is that um, you know one of the big things when you play at a tournament and you have an army that is able to take a bunch of psychers, whether it's like standard like Tyranids or like its Thousand Sons or whatever. When you're limited to just the three powers in your book, you know plus the smite. Um,
1: you run out of powers very quickly. Very
0: quickly yes. uh, for them. So I can understand Thousand Suns with so many people in their army have a gun, why yeah. it's important to put it in there. But Dark Elder should also have some.
1: <laughs> like, well, Dark Elder don't have psychers.
0: Oh, sorry. You're thinking Harlequins. Harlequins should yeah. also have them. You ride on jet bikes, as far as I'm concerned, you have psychic
1: powers. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so Harlequins should yeah, have Yeah, Harle- Harlequins would have massively benefited yeah. from from sexual psychic powers. But at the same time... cult? The Genestero called psychic powers are so powerful in the index, though.
0: Okay, I mean, that's They fine.
1: really are good powers. Fine, what about orcs? That was one of the ones I was going to actually bring up. Orcs could have used a little bit of psychic love. Just,
0: I mean, just some things that to make it a little bit more fair. Yes. Because the psychic phase is extremely important. It and it, people that have six powers just have more tools in their toolbox. Yes. Um, a relics, like, if you gave me a choice between saying, hey, we're going to give you a relic... Or we're going to give you a, another psychic power. i am taking the psychic power, power over the relic any day of the week. You're not paying the points to nope. equip it anyways. It's something that you get to kind of diversify your toolbox with a little bit. And it's going to be useful throughout the whole army, not just for like the one character, for the one thing you get to bring. Um, yeah. So with that being said, I'm not opposed to the fact that they gave only one relic because in most armies you're only able to take one.
1: Generally. So,
0: yeah. you know, without paying points like a stratagem or something like that, you take one. So I'm not no, that one, beat up about it. But one relic
1: is fine. It just would have been. It would have been nice to see the one relic and the one psychic power for everybody instead of just yeah.
0: Zeech. So let's get into it right now, then, because this is the part that I think like you know you and I are sort of different a little bit. Um, you know, as you mentioned, this book you thought was worthwhile if you had multiple armies that are in here. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Okay. Here's my problem. If you are somebody that just plays match play, like myself. Very rarely do I play narrative, do I play open play. Um, I've played an Apocalypse game before. I've played Planet Strike before. Because like, right. people wanted to play it. But I very rarely have actually like gone out of my way to play one. If you are one of those people, you look at this book and you're basically doing ten pages.
1: It's hard to justify it. It really is. Exactly. It is. So Like I said, I have four armies in here. Exactly. You have two.
0: Exactly. Um, I think that this should have been like a mini index of these armies that don't have codex yet. You make it an ebook or whatever, and you make it 10 bucks, 15 bucks, yeah. whatever you wanna do. Each one of the armies, if people haven't seen the chapter proof book yet, is one page. It is. It's quite yep. literally what it is. You could it's... put out a data card and sell a pack of data cards. Like, you know, like the big ones, like you do the war yep. scrolls, like for Age of Sigmar, you could do like a war scroll page. Yeah. Sell the entire packet of those. It's, how many? For army, like 15 how
1: many armies bucks. is it? Uh, two, I think it's 10. 13 armies. It looks like.
0: Yeah. So it's thirteen data cards. Yeah. Pay ten or fifteen bucks. You got a really portable rule set for you to go around. Be able to buy them online in an ebook.
1: Yeah, that'd be nice. Cool. It's. It is unfortunate that they package these here with a lot of the a lot of the stuff that you or I probably won't play with. Sure. It, it's unfortunate for those people who have only one army in here. Yeah. Really unfortunate for those people. And they only have the desire to play the match play stuff. Exactly. It's, it, it does suck. It, it does. For me, like I said, it is a worthwhile purchase. But I can definitely see how for most people it wouldn't be. So there are a lot of people online that are saying that this
0: whole thing should be for free. And like I haven't even gotten to like points adjustments or anything yet. We'll get to that like later. I don't think
1: it should be free. I I don't think it should be free no. either. But this, the this thing is people's hard. This is people hard. People's work into making these rules, making these missions, making these everything in here. They should get some kind of payment
0: for it. I completely agree. Um, but I also think that the book should have been split. It, I do should, think it should have be been yes. match play goes here. Yep. Don't make me pay twenty bucks. For all these rules that I'm never gonna look at again. Right. Um, I, you know, it's like, oh, I play Gene Stealer Cult also. I, here's one page of
1: rules. One page of rules. One page of very good rules, but still just one page of rules. Yeah. That
0: I'm probably gonna use in the game, mm-hmm. but you're making me pay $35 for that one page of rules. Yeah. And the thing too that like I think so many people are mad at is if I'm paying for this, like I'm playing Gene Stealer Cults, I'm playing Harlequins, I'm playing Sisters of Battle, I'm playing Imperial Knights, Death Watch, whatever. Those only are useful until my codex comes out. So you're making me pay $35 for a single page stopgap that will literally become null and void when I have to buy another $35 codex in like six months.
1: Hopefully, less.
0: So I think that the rules and the changes should have been a smaller amount.
1: Uh yeah, I think I have to agree, honestly. It's it's unfortunate. because I I, I I do like the book. I, I do. Sure. There's a there's like I said a lot of really cool, fun stuff in here that I unfortunately will probably never use just because I I don't play open play games. But I'm here for these last thirty pages.
0: Yeah. And it's a shame when you have like a thirty page thing that's gonna cost that much.
1: Yeah.
0: Um and the thing is is we both know GW's done it before. Because they used to sell those, like uh, the Tau Firebase I think this is and... nothing
1: in comparison to what it used to No, but either.
0: I meant like they did sell that smaller thing that contained a couple pages of rules. Right. And they would sell it in, like a small, like, you know, $6 ebook or whatever that you right. Could get. Right. Okay, I see what you're saying. Um, there's ways to be able to do this. Yeah. Um, to make it work out. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the points costs that go around. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the rest of the book. And then kind of give an idea of whether it was just a big swing and a miss, if it was a line drive single, what basically ended up being the book. So we will be right back.
1: I don't know those references. <laughs> hey guys, this is Josh again. And on behalf of everyone at Percielion,
0: we just wanted to say thank you. Thanks for listening to our podcast, watching our battle reports, and reading our articles. We're here for you. Producing content by gamers for gamers. So thanks again for joining us, and we're happy you're here. Now, let's go ahead and get back to the show. All right, we're back. And I'm Mike. I'm Paul. And once again, we're Purge the Alien. Um, we spent the first half of the podcast talking about the chapter approved. Um, if you paid attention to the first part, you'll know that, you know, we didn't really blow our hair back very much. Uh a lot of stuff that's in there we're not going to use uh 88 pages out of 128 pages of stuff that i probably will literally never look at uh we might play it once and it's a battle report here at Percy alien because i think we're going to try to get like a narrative campaign going yeah. um uh, so like,
1: like we said for narrative stuff this is a fantastic book i know there's a good number of people out there that just play narrative yeah. stuff like that so for you guys it's great yeah play narrative
0: if you're a person that just kind of has a lot of beer and pretzels games it's got yeah. some cool new missions it's got some good stuff um, you know but for the most part you pick it up
1: super hardcore competitive people so far it's middling
0: yep collector go for it uh, another the other, go for it. the other thing that it does have in here too um, we should have mentioned this in the first part is that there are a bunch of other campaigns so quite literally, yeah. like even after you get into match play, like it talks about it, different...
1: It, it adds a few other things. You have the ladder campaigns. You have a couple battle zones that you play in. Yeah. Um, I was looking a little bit at the, uh, the em- 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 Empiric Storms, I think it's pronounced. Yeah. Um, I feel like these existed before. And I was looking at them. Uh, basically, it's a uh, at the start of a turn, you roll two dice, and you look at what happens on the battlefield. And it generally just affects everybody. Yep. It varies from reduced movement speeds to start summoning some demons. Yep. Again. At least it used to? I'm not sure if it still does, but
0: good fun stuff for the game. Um, you know, when you're looking at all that stuff, I think the weird part that I was a little confused by, and um, it, you know, stop me if it's there. Please, somebody put a comment or like let us know. But GW has this big section right before they get into the rules. And they basically mark it as mash play. Like, they're basically... We're talking about mash play now. Yep. And they have all of the faction rules. They have ways to make objectives. They have the Maelstrom of War missions. They have the Eternal War missions. They have all of these things that go around here. The funny part is that even after you get through the rules of the new armies and the new relics and warlord traits and everything that you go to, um, like, it goes basically... Into an appendix, yep. and it has rules for battlefield terrain. Like it has rules for all the sector mechanicus terrain that's like beautiful. Um, the old Deathworld forest.
1: the uh, deathwood forest that came out not the long Death ago. The Deathworld forest,
0: um, and it's just interesting because they don't really necessarily like list um, for the terrain features that they're mandatory or not. Which is weird because when you get into, like, the battle zone rules, like Paul was mentioning, it specifically states, like, as long as you and your opponent agree, you can use the battle zone rules. For yeah. the terrain, it doesn't have anything like that. Um, so I thought that was interesting. So definitely something, you know, to talk to you about the friend with friends and stuff like that before you play the games. Personally, if you're playing in a tournament, you're never going to see it. I don't no, think you,
1: most, most tournaments have their own rules for the terrain that's on the table yeah which is fine although some of the battlefield terrain rules we see here are fun yeah a lot again, of them are fun again they're, 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 it's it's fun rules if
0: you own the GW terrain definitely good stuff to take a look at oh yeah uh, but so now for the meat and potatoes the real reason a lot of people were like looking for the book uh if you made it this far into the book, you come to the last 12 pages. <laughs> so,
1: and it is nerf galore.
0: Yes. Um, so basically, they could have called it, instead of the uh, chapter approved, they could have called it the chapter nerf bat. Um, oh, God, yes. Because they, they do some stuff. A lot of it is needed. Yes. Um, I think I saw an amazing comment online where the person said... At the end of chapter, proved every single faction will have something to complain about, and that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, 100%. It's a good thing.
0: Um,
1: If if you don't have something to complain about in this book, just wait.
0: Yeah, it'll come. It'll come. Uh, Which is a good thing because the cool part is that means if you're complaining about something that got nerfed to your faction, the rest of the people are celebrating that something (laughs) in your faction got nerfed. So it should balance out. uh, Yes. Uh, So, basically, every single army in here has points adjustments to it. Really, the only ones that don't are the most recent codexes that came out. Again,
1: blood angels, dark angels.
0: Demons. Demons. And I don't
1: think, uh, outside of Forge World, I don't think... uh, I didn't see Tyranids tyranids in in here either. either. Yeah. Um,
0: So, other stuff comes out for updated point costs. There is units that got completely updated. There are... um, Individual weapons that got updated so they you know are doing what they really wanted you to be able to do Yep. Um, now a lot of people before we get into the nitty-gritty complained about this as well uh, Because once again a lot of people complain about stuff. They said this should have been in a free FAQ They shouldn't have to pay essentially $35. So for example if you have codex space Marines and you play space Marines The really only reason for you to get this book is for these points changes. Yep If that's all you play yep so I can see the point of I don't want to pay $35 for these points changes because people are saying that they should just be in an FAQ. What is your thought on that?
1: So that's a hard one for me. I agree and I disagree with it. I okay. agree with it because I believe in at the Michigan GT, we both had experiences where our opponent had or was playing an Army that was vastly mispointed because they did not know that there was a digital FAQ for their army. Sure. This is a physical. This is something that n- people need to go out and act and easily knows exists. We've all sure. missed FAQs. It's hard to miss a entire book that you know is going to have points adjustments in it. Yeah. But it's incredibly easy to miss a digital FAQ. So I
0: would agree with that. Um, the other reason that I disagree with that, though, is because if you are a Space Marines player, and you were deciding between like you know buying a new unit of models or a new unit of paint or something like that, and you're like, hey, I'm paying thirty five dollars for twelve pages, I'm just gonna buy. I'm just gonna go online and see what Gilliman's new cost is. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, Gilliman went up from three hundred points to three hundred eighty five points. Was that wasn't three hundred before?
1: I think he was three fifty. Was he? I think so.
0: Okay let's check on that one either way Gilliman went up in points to 385 um, so if you just play Gilliman in a gun line and you're like hey none of my other stuff is in here that I played boom like we'll go through and do this yeah. and that's what you are hindsight
1: to. a lot of the things that Gilliman in a gun line was being with did get points increases as well but yeah. that's besides the point
0: but for like this thing is you could look at it just for that yes. but then like four months from now you get some due units and you're not paying attention um, yeah the fact of the matter is, is I don't think that for the points increases, especially for your army, which once again, if you're paying space Marines is literally three pages in here. Yep. That you should pay thirty-five dollars.
1: I, I I do agree.
0: Points increase should be a free upgrade.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, now the easiest thing to do is for GW, which I can't and I can't believe they haven't done this yet, is to create their own army builder app like they have for Age of Sigmar.
1: <sighs> they gotta be working on it.
0: I don't know how it's taking so long because like every other place is do it is doing yeah. it with insufficient code, so I don't know
1: what they're doing. They uh, have to be doing it. It's it's so weird to me that they haven't made a 40k one yet, but they did make the Age of Sigma one. And the Age of Sigma one is good. Exactly. I don't, I don't know if you've used it. Yeah, I've yeah. used it a few times. It's it's a good application web not even an application, it's a web browser. It's super it easy works to works well. To do. I liked it. Yeah. When that comes I think
0: that this stuff gets auto-included in there, and then, like, literally you don't have to buy this book if you're that person because it will yeah. be updated in the app.
1: Yeah.
0: That being said, as I'll, I will tell you point blank. If you are a Space Marines player out there, you are probably building your army through a third-party list, through Battlescribe, through something else. Everyone's doing it. There's yeah. no way not. Don't give me that look. Like no, doing I'm, I'm looking
1: at you like that because you are you are the one who w- refused to build a Tyrander army until Battlescribe updated. That's true.
0: <laughs> so what I will say is, once again, 8th edition 40k, while the rules are really simple, building an army has never been more complicated because yeah. of all the different points costs that are associated with everything. If you are a Space Marines player and you are wondering if you should buy a chapter approved, and all you do is play Space Marines right now, don't. Just literally wait until Battlescribe updates and then you will get it from there.
1: Which by now, I'm sure it has. Which but that's, has, because
0: I've built some tiered lists. Yes. Um, but just do that. Save yourself the money unless you're into playing the narrative, the open. If you're into all that stuff, by all means, go for it. But if you're somebody that doesn't have the stuff in here, go for it. You're and do just
1: it. here for the points changes, just have your buddy buy it and take a picture of the page and make sure that it's right we're, on we're right. not
0: saying anything about stealing anything should no, take a picture of the no, page no I Just don't know what
1: sh- I, I, that, those aren't words that came out of my mouth don't want what? to do that
0: but what I will say is like to, to GW one of the things that they've always talked about you know is like pirated stuff and it's always been a yes. huge issue Uh you know, we hate to see it because a lot of people illegally download PDFs. It, it kind of hurts everybody in the process. It does. Um, you know, you should never get an illegal download of your codex. You should never do any of that stuff. Like you should always just pay for it because like you're paying for people that like worked hard to do these rules and do all that oh, stuff. Yeah, um,
1: I mean, I'm 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 one of those people who e- even if I do download something. That's a, a ripped PDF. I still go buy the actual physical version. Sure. I just like the convenience of having one on my phone as well, but I don't want to pay for a second one.
0: Exactly. I, I completely understand. Um, but what I will say is like GW, if you don't want people to illegally download stuff, don't put out a book like this. Yeah. Like just flat out. Yeah. Like this is asking, because you put up a book like a, you know, a new codex. People see the value for it and they'll they'll pay the 35 40 bucks for the new codex. No questions asked. If you basically say like, "Hey, here's three pages, pay me $35." That does not have the value for people unless they're like a collector, they have a lot of things that they do in this book. You're just asking for somebody to do what Paul said to take a picture to illegally download this yep. online. So like, I think GW really needs to learn from it. Um, I
1: haven't heard feedback I'm, from them about success or sure not yet. Learn from it. I'm sure they will. Um, they They've been very positive. Yeah. This year, it's it's just been it for me at least. It's just been nothing but positivity out of GW yeah. that I've seen. This is a this is a misstep. I still think that the vast majority of it is fine personally. Yeah. It is a misstep though. It's
0: it's a pretty big misstep. It is uh, to me, because the other thing that I am really concerned with is that it relies then on a third party app.
1: To be correct. Which it's almost never. It doesn't uh, matter which one. you. I, I know that there's more than just Battle Scribe. I mainly use Battle Scribe. And I know that I'm not the only one who has had issues with Battle Scribe being yeah. wrong.
0: And everybody has. And, you know, the thing is, too, is, like, you see this in a lot of tournaments. I've never seen since 8th edition, which everybody knew that, like, with you have this level of complicated point in list building, that there were gonna be some issues going out. whether oh, yeah. they're intentional or not intentional, or it's just like this was, I forgot to add that this guy has a pistol because I'm not used to doing that. Yep. Um, and you're a point off. Like It's just one of those things that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, this is getting so complicated now and I feel like so many people aren't really gonna buy the book and so many people do use a third party site or do their own version on Excel or whatever that this is going to lead to even more problems of making a list accurate?
1: Yeah, it could. it's, It's hard to say, honestly. Yeah, just so many changes. So, I mean, I would also like to see, personally,
0: if you bought the Space Marine Codex and they update the points value in the chapter approved, which they're going to do, what, once a year, right?
1: I think they said they're going to try to do it once a year with updated points values and update. I think they said something about updating um, uh, certain unit cards specifically, like troublesome okay. unit cards sure. that they want to update as well. So
0: when they do that, they should update the ebook codex
1: that you bought. We've been saying this for years that if there if there is an FAQ to a or like an errata to a unit, doesn't matter what the unit is. And you have an ebook version of it that the ebook version should be changed to represent the current version. Yep. And that's just never happened for some reason.
0: And it, it would cause solve a lot of problems. Yep. What you're also doing is a couple things. One, if you're GW, you so sell that Space Marine Codex. You have more people that are going to be buying a Space Marine ebook Codex. Yep. Which once again, you could charge a couple bit more. Just say it's going to be a little it, bit fully updated. Charge
1: for convenience. I have no issue with them charging for convenience. Less
0: codexes you have to print, yada yada. You can do this whole thing, and it solves their problem as being completely done. And you don't have to worry about it anymore. Now, you're kind of getting into that issue that you have, where you had the 7th edition, where I made my army, and now I have to have four books that go along with it.
1: It's not quite getting to that point yet.
0: So right now, if I run a Tyranid army, I need three books and... I need a printout FAQ. I need a Tierney Codex. I need a Forge World book to go along with it. I need a chapter approved that has updated Forge World points for it. Right. And I need an FAQ to go over all the rules.
1: Did I ever tell you about my Gene Steeler cult list that I was in the I know, you the had Machine like GT. seven books. I had nine books that I needed to use yeah. for that codex. It's
0: insane. There's, there's a lot of stuff that has to go through with it. But, like, that's just, like, the big misstep that by, GQ, by GW, um, and I think they'll see it, is I think they tried to make, like, a once-a-year book that had a little bit of something for everybody, not realizing that I don't want a little bit of what somebody else wants, yeah. I want what I want. Um,
1: like, like, like we said, we I think we'll see, we'll see it in a different format next year. Yeah. But let's get down to the actual points cost. So, Gilliman went up. Deservedly. Uh, Celestine went up. Uh... So the thing with the celestine change, yes, she went up base celestine point costs. Yeah. But the gemini went down. The gemini yes. got cut in half, she went up 50 points. All this change really does is incentivize you actually take the gemini now. Correct. Before there was no reason to take the gemini. You I think if you take one gemini, she'd equal out to 200 points. Yes. Now you take two gemini, she's equal now to 250 points.
0: No, I think it was before that she was, she 150, was 150 points. The Gem- the, she was
1: 150, the Gemini were 50 each.
0: Okay. So, so now, you, would take, you
1: would take one Gemini to get her to the 200 point, and you'd have a little bit of a bodyguard. Now, with the Gemini being cheaper, you just take her at what her full cost previously was, and you have both the Gemini. But if you want to run
0: her in Imperial suit just by yourself, she's going to cost more. Yes. Okay. So good change all around. Um, a lot of other changes. I think the funniest one, as it's been talked about online, was for gray knights. The uh, the s- twin side cannon like went up like twenty two points, and it wasn't any good in the first place.
1: I don't know why that happened. It just, just I mean, it's, just a, it's just a forge old one. I, there's very few people that use it anyway, because like he said, like he said, it wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the more important changes were uh, changes to assault cannons.
0: Yeah. Those
1: those went up a massive number of points. Uh, You're looking at 44 points now for a twin assault cannon with the Razorback body that it was on going up in points. Yep. Uh, Assault cannon spam isn't going to be a thing as much as it was anymore. See,
0: it's not so much that it is. I think that with GW making the cost of the weapon increase, they realized that, like, hey, the Razorback is fine. Just the gun needs to go up. Right. And... What it does is when you raise the point value of the assault cannon, it also says, like, hey, the assault cannon's still good, but maybe I'll think about taking one of the other guns instead. Yeah. As long as it just isn't obvious what you
1: should always be taking, you're in a good spot. I'm trying to remember how many points the assault cannon was before. I feel like it was, like, 17 points, something like that. Could have been. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it just—the points cost in comparison to what a heavy bolter was, it just wasn't right. Yeah. Now the Assault Cannon's in a good spot.
0: And the other thing, too, that I, when you talk to people is, like, you know, most of the Assault Cannons that you saw were in, like, doubles. The usually. twin Assault Cannons, yeah. Um, so, you know, even if it was just, like, a five-point increase, it's ten points total. So, so ten points for every vehicle that had those things on It adds on there. up. It yeah. adds up because even if you just say, hey, this is ten points, like, look at somebody's list, that's ten points that you're taking out. It can yep. be like a whole unit, can be changing something up, um, so it makes a difference.
1: Uh, the Storm Raven gunship increased in cost as well. Yep, which it should have. And then uh, for Space Wings, uh, Tartarus and Assault Terminators went down in cost. Yeah. Which they deserve that greatly. Uh, I think Librarians went up in cost, Chaplains went down, and then they had the point fixes for all of the um, Primaris stuff, which all... Basically, across the board went down in points, especially the, what is it, the the Plasma Exterminators, I think they're called, for the Inceptor squads. Yeah. Those things are dirt cheap now. Yeah. I think they went from, I want to say it was like 60 points for the guns per model to now 34 points for mm. the guns per model. Yep. On a... 25 point base.
0: Yeah. Ugh.
1: So, yeah. That's, that's disgusting.
0: That's what. Yeah, it's not ideal. Nah, well, they're good. They're, it's, good. They're, good. <laughs> they're good. That's not a deal to play against. No, especially. it's not. Uh, some of the other things, just to finish it up, uh, conscripts are now officially dead. Uh, they went up to four <laughs> points.
1: Rest in peace. Um, I mean, I think they went a little too
0: far now.
1: So, I, I think that the. The original change to make it so that they have to pass a test to take orders, you know, they didn't needed the four-up four to take orders, I thought that was a good change. And then they hit the commissars. And I'm like, okay, now it's really, it, it's its perfect where it is now. And then they increased the point cost. I'm like, stop, it's dead. You don't need to keep hitting it. Yeah. I'm just scared that they're going to do it again.
0: Nah, I mean, like, they, they can't do it again because I don't think you're going to see them.
1: I don't, it. I don't know how they could, but oh. I, it's just yeah. one of those things.
0: They raised the price in primary psychers, but they're still super dirt cheap. Uh, yeah. The other one, the other thing, to speak of, like dead, dead, never gonna get used again. Uh, Malefic Lords, I think doubled in price to eighty they, points. Yeah, they're not. They're not gonna. Um, I mean,
1: you'll still see one or two of them. Yeah, you know, one one or two of the whatever model it was people were using to field them. Exactly.
0: Uh, and then, like the last points that GW did is they also changed everything for Forge World. Now this entire podcast for the most part we've been kind of you know giving gw like a a d report c minus like at the best for like their sections because a lot we just don't need but
1: what i have to say this was so surprising yeah
0: they get for points gw gets an a plus yeah um how many times would you have seen them release what is it like eight different codexes so far this year was it 10 how many did we yeah i think we got 10
1: i think with demons we're getting 10
0: yeah 10 codexes for the year and say that outside of like the most recent 3 or 4 that you were getting completely revamped points costs within 6 months 5 months for a lot of codexes as far as I know never I mean that's incredible and well, then also hey here's all these Forge World books
1: that's what I was about to say yeah the precedent alone of GW touching Forge World points as far as I know yeah they've never done this before
0: yeah so I mean as much as we said that the book is really not worth it for most people um I do think that IGW should be applauded for doing what they said and adjusting all these things. I think that they went way too far on a lot of the Forge World stuff. I don't um, Some of the Forge World stuff absolutely needed it. Some of it needed it. Like, Malefic Lords needed it. Big Bird. He could have used it too. Do you want to say what you're actually talking about?
1: Yeah, the, the giant demon of Zinch. That was like seven hundred points or something. No, I don't think he was that expensive. I think it was like uh, six or seven hundred points, something like that. He's not fifteen hundred points. Yeah. This is a model that was punching out thirty some odd mortal wounds per turn. Yep. He massively deserved that point increase. He could do some, he could do some damage.
0: Um, I mean, there was a lot of other things though, where it's like, uh, you know, like Titans and other things are my favorite one. What was the Tau one? Um, I don't the,
1: know. I didn't even bother looking at the, the supremacy suit. Keep forgetting that they exist this edition. <laughs> Like, the Supremacy
0: suit, for example, like, went up to, like, 1,500 points.
1: Oh, yeah, that one.
0: And I, there's I think a, there's a, it was, that, like, 1,200 or something like that. It's I, not very good. No. And, like,
1: so that's why, like,
0: I, I'm i not 100% sure what they did with Forge World uh, and, like, what some of the methodology was. Some things made sense.
1: Others How are or, a little confusing.
0: Others are, like, extremely confusing as to just why um, they went up. Uh, things that weren't being used anywhere, let alone running the meta, um, got huge points—like huge, huge points in yeah. Um The only thing that I can think of for like the Tao suit and like uh, some of the other ones for like you know, as Paul said, the giant chicken. Um, the only thing that I can think of is maybe they know what might be upcoming in like the demon and the Tau codex, and maybe they're looking that far ahead. Which if Ugh. they are. They're, playing, Kudos thre- they're playing
1: 3D chess right there. Yeah,
0: because way to look ahead instead of, like, you know, fixing a problem before it starts, but instead yeah. of just where it's, like, ruining the meta for a month. Um, but I, I just thought that that was very interesting. Um, uh, Paul and I both played Tyranids. It's the one army that we share. And uh, a lot of the Tyranid stuff, like, went up. Um, and I was surprised by it because, like, I've never Didn't seen Did the Hyrule go up? I thought the Hyrule went up. It went up? Yeah, like 50 points or something why it's bad no it was bad I never saw anybody ever play it but like it went up in points which is just kind of weird the other one since it's near and dear to us we talked about it a lot in the Tiernit podcast is the Malanthrope went up Uh, personally I think it went up too much
1: I see this is one that we disagreed on uh, when we originally saw this change I still disagree with it I still think it's a it's an okay point increase it just means it's not an auto-include to the army anymore yeah which there will be some games where you'll still want to take it. If I'm yes. playing against Tau, I still want to take the throw, because Tau going to do nothing but shoot at me. I think it went
0: up. It went up fifty points. I would have liked to see it go up like 25-30. I know it's being nitpicky, but like, yeah. that's just where I thought like it should have been. Huh, nothing, um, nothing
1: wrong with being nitpicky in this case. But I do
0: think that with, I think that the interesting thing is that with the base codexes, is that they're applying what seems to be a rather like fine-tooth comb to how they're doing points. With Forge World, they're kind of taking the Forge World mindset, and they're just jacking things up, points kind of for just arbitrary reasons. Um, but the good news is that for, like, Astro Militarium, um, all the Elysium stuff got basically moved right in line with regular Astro Militarum. Yes. So you're not just taking better Astra Militarium because it's Forge World. Um, you're just taking, like, basically the same stuff. So that's good.
1: The Elysium drop troops were a little... They were a little wonky. Yeah, so all in all, I thought that the point system was pretty good. Yeah, I like it. So I, it it's good. Point system worked.
0: Um, like what they did for the individual units for match play. Um, I still think the, the book shouldn't have been broken out this way. Um, I think that I think that GW would have been able to have people be happy if they would have sold the first 100 pages of the book as Apocalypse, Planet Strike, narrative play, that kind of stuff by themselves and then had a second small book where they just called an upgrade. Yeah. I know it wouldn't have fit into their whole, like, chapter-approved edition, but um, the concern that I have about chapter-approved going forward was it got kind of sold as, like, this ultimate, like, thing that they were going to do to, like, adjust points and, you know, do all these cool things. But the problem is is that if, like, a year from now, all it's going to be is 12 pages of adjusted
1: points... Well, one of the things you have to bear in mind as well is that this is only... This isn't everything No, in in 40K that was touched. This isn't everything in Forgeville. A lot of Forgeable got touched, but not everything in Forgeville got touched. A lot of 40K got, or uh, uh, normal, grammar, I guess, got touched, but not everything got touched. I think in the future, we'll see these 12 pages be a lot bigger than what it currently is. Okay. And we might even see more of... Um, the uh, the army stuff the faction stuff Yeah, maybe we'll see something along those lines but for books that have already released to add a little bit more to those armies sure
0: now I did have a question too That um, that's what I was going to kind of finish it up with before we kind of give like final grades for everything is the match play mission rules they put the boots in the ground it's different than the one that they talked about though it is? Like, it just says, like, when determining which player controls an objective marker excludes all units that have the flyer battlefield role, these units can never control objective markers. Yeah. Like, where's the line about them being wiped?
1: Uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. I do remember that being... Because, like, that was the whole point of, like, how, why you got rid of
0: Storm Raven was yeah. it didn't count. Um So, once again, this book has been out for a couple weeks
1: now. Um... I, I mean I'll be I'll be frank I skipped straight to the to the factions and to the points
0: yeah i skipped through this part as well um i had a note to go over it um through like a person that had kind of asked us a question um everyone that i know has been playing boots on the ground including tournaments as to so where
1: flyers don't count and if as exactly. soon as you get rid of all the other stuff you win the game
0: yeah so have i so i will be really interested to see if like that kind of got taken out or what if they're saying the right that yeah. hey if you can't hold objectives then you can't you know, win the game because you have to have units that can control objectives.
1: As far as I know, then it's so that's interesting. does exist anywhere, yeah.
0: Um, the good news is they also kind of put a nail in the coffin of you can't use a reroll to reroll who goes first, to reroll the mission, to deployment zones, to steal the initiative, stuff like that. Um, or if the battle ends, um, that's all done. For the uh, so better. Same thing, you also can't roll it to determine how many victory points. Like if you get a D3 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 Maelstrom, and you roll a one, you can't re-roll that. Yep. So that's really good. Um, and then they also um, adjusted the targeting the character rule, so it's officially in there. Um, it has to be both visible to the fire fly, or fireer, and the closest <laughs> enemy model to them. So if another enemy model is closer, whether it is visible or not, then the enemy character cannot be
1: targeted. Uh, that's so obnoxious. I hate this rule. I hated this rule before. Um, see, I I wouldn't have an issue with it if the whether it's visible or not, then the enemy character cannot be targeted part didn't exist in there when it comes to other enemy units. Yeah. I'm sorry, but if I can't see the dude behind a wall, but I can see the dude at the corner of the battlefield that my sniper rifle can just, well, not sniper rifle, because sniper rifles are the exception of the rule, but you get what I'm saying, can just barely reach them, I'm not going to shoot the guy behind the wall that I don't know that's there. I'm going to shoot the guy that I can see. Yeah. it's, It's one of those ones that's just wonky to me.
0: I went off on this one point in time, but it literally means that if you have a rattling that is deployed behind a wall 12 inches away from you, and Gilliman is 22 inches away from you, dancing in a field with no terrain or anything else by him. You can't shoot him.
1: Yeah.
0: Which uh, GW always talks about forging a narrative, and they talk about like creating cinematic gameplay, and like that's all that different stuff. That is like the worst thing possible.
1: Yeah, uh, it's that's one of the ones that I I will always have an issue with it, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, it's just it just exploits I get, those character loopholes. I so get
1: why much. they do it. Because of the tabletop game, like maybe you guys, maybe your guys can hear them from behind the wall. You know they're there, and you're more worried about where where they're coming from than you are about the guy who's way way the heck out there that you can't do anything to anyway. Maybe it's something there. That that's what they're trying to go with, but it's still just.
0: I think it gets away. It bugs from, me. I think it's their version of trying to not do like you know, true line of sight versus like measuring to the base, you know, it's like, hey, you can see my elbow, so you can shoot me through the window. Or like my tank tread is poking out of the corner, so that means that I can shoot all my guns at you through a building, like they're letting like that happen. Um, I I get that it's a way, but it's just different. And then the other one that's interesting, and check with your local German organizers having it, is you can have understrength units um, that are included in auxiliary support
1: detachments. I don't like this rule.
0: So I don't like it. Takes up an detachment. Auxiliary is also what minus one or is it zero? It's
1: minus one. It so, is minus one.
0: stratagem. So you lose a command point. Um, or
1: command point. Yeah. Sorry. However,
0: uh, this stuff can be pretty exploited. Um, if you think about it this way, if you look at a army, for example, and it says, um, and I'm just going to use this because I can think of it off the top of my head, that you know, for every you know. Five or less models, you can put an assault cannon and a Terminator group.
1: Something take like one that. Devastator, give them a missile launcher. So you take Boop, one. There's a heavy sport choice. Yeah. Um, so well, it's it, it's an auxiliary sport attachment. Now it's not actually part of your your force anymore. Mm-hmm. But getting something that honestly, that was a bad example. But getting something that could be a super cheap kind of. Just annoyance as a part for a a single command point can be really good. Yeah, I mean, now you do have to look at where
0: it gets done. Um, because one of the things that I don't like about some of the rules they put in there like this is they don't kind of expand upon them a little bit. Yeah, because I've seen sometimes where if you take an understrength unit, they make you pay for the full cost, right? Of the understrength unit. Um,
1: yeah, that's that's one of the ones that's a little it's a little different. Others yeah. that I've
0: seen, it's like, no, you don't have to, but like, you can only take one of them, and you can do other stuff. Um, so when you're playing rules, because that is in a match play mission rule, so that is something that will affect everybody. Check with your terminal organizer, check with the person you're playing against, just to make sure that like everybody's on the same page, because they might not have picked up the
1: chapter approved book, right? That stuff. Um, so all in all, final thoughts. Uh, you swayed me a little bit to the it's not an amazing book. I still think it's. It has a lot of really fun things for the casual player. I think that o- that open play cards are a little bit better for that. Um, but I do think, like 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 I said, for me personally, I have a I have a good amount of armies that were in this book for rules. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was a very valuable book. You make a lot of use out of it. For other people, if you have one one army, two armies, or no army, like if you don't have any army in this book, don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Um, I think I give it. A, I, I personally I give it like a, a a low B, a low B, a high C. Okay. It's not an amazing book, but it's passable in my opinion. Okay. It's only thirty five bucks. Not like it's 60 Yeah, it's, it's. Five meals at McDonald's. Sure. It's not that bad. There you go. Gotcha. So
0: I would I would grade a little bit lower. I would go with like a C minus because for me, um, the book is relatively useless. I think if one person in your gaming group has it, like that's fine. Right. Um I use a third party site through Battlescribe. I love to use GW to build my armies, so I don't care. Please, about, GW. Yeah, I don't care about any of these points adjustments like cool you raise my mound, throw up 50 points uh awesome it's gonna be in battle scribe i don't need to buy this section of this right book. um even with all the crazy changes i still don't have to buy them because it's gonna be in battle scribe even if i'm a space marine player where i had like 90 changes it's all gonna be in battle scribe so it does not matter um and i don't play these armies that need these other things and if i did i would find a way just to be like hey this is what the relic is this is you know, borrow this person's rule book for a tournament, whatever, I wouldn't waste the thirty-five dollars for it. That being said, to me, the thirty-five bucks is almost worth it just as like a hey GW, way to update point costs. Yeah. Like way to realise that Gilliman's undercosted Malefic Lords were like a crime against the game. Like even my mouth rope, it needed a price increase.
1: Well even like, the, even the things that like got price decreases. Yeah.
0: They vastly deserve those decreases. So to me, that is just the ultimate pinnacle of what GW did is they gave everybody a little taste of like the armies that don't have codexes, which is nice and I'm sure you appreciate if you you know you don't have those armies. Oh yeah. But the fact that GW is literally just fixing their game when it came out six months ago. And is making sweeping changes it's, and touching Forge World. The book is gonna get in the C grade for me, yeah. Just for doing that,
1: it's a good thing. Yeah, it, the, the book overall is a glimpse at the future, and that future is hopefully positive.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm excited that they just kept their word and they reapproach things this way. Yeah, I think with all of these changes, it's gonna make the LVO coming up in February. Really exciting to see what happens because um, all the codexes have been updated. So, like, in demons is coming out too. So, it should be really interesting. What is to see the what, what is
1: the cutoff for LVO? I think they're going to allow demons. Do you think they're going to allow demons? Okay, we'll
0: see. Um, I had to double check uh, for that part, but I think that'll be very interesting um, to basically kind of have it. Um, be really cool. So, uh, Paul, I want to thank you for being on.
1: Yeah, appreciate it.
0: I just appreciate you guest starring over here. Uh, We're probably going to be doing another one with Paul here pretty soon, Uh, maybe with some of the other guys from Purge the Alien, kind of just talking about sort of like the 40k year in review, since it's been going on, Um, also kind of what we're looking at going forward, and we also might mention, you know, He Who Must Not Be Named, which is Age of Sigmar, because we've just been so overwhelmed with 40k, Uh, but don't worry, we are going to have some Age of Sigmar stuff, uh, so we're going to be doing that. And then once again, we are recording today at Imperium Games in Wixom, Michigan, um, an amazing store that puts on some top-quality tournaments um, of all different types here. Fantastic section of terrain, plenty of tables to play on, great selection of product. So if you can, get out there, um, support them. It's always good to support your friendly local game store. Uh, buy Chapter Approved if you play a friendly game. If not, <laughs> buy some of the other stuff for it. So very pretty good. So once again, guys, thank you for listening. I'm Mike. I'm Paul. And have a great rest of your day.
1: Bye. All rights for this episode and its content
0: are reserved by the Creative Commons License. Marshmallow Music, Sound Effects, and the episode
1: were produced by Perseone.